0: pod people what is up you guys this is pod people's podcast for people who make podcasts i'm stephanie Pachara, a matchmaker here at pod people and this week we're shaking some things up you might remember my voice for my own spotlight interview on this show Check that out for a deep dive on my audio journey. But for now, on this week's podcast, our CEO, Rachel King, will be interviewing Kim Ripberg for our Trends episode. Kim Ripberg is a content and brand strategist by trade who people most recently worked with on a show you might have heard of called People in the 90s. If you haven't heard the show yet, when you're done here, I suggest definitely taking a listen. Our personal favorite is the Fabio episode. In addition to a great sense of humor, Kim was the founding head of video and executive producer of Us Weekly, creating their first ever digital video unit and growing their Us Weekly video views to 41 million in just under two years. That is incredible. She was VP of branded video at PopSugar and has worked with brands like AT&T, Bloomingdale's, Olay, Netflix, and lots and lots more. Today, she executive produces People Magazine's People in the 90s podcast, and if all that wasn't impressive enough, she's also the founder of her own company, Henry Street Media. We join her and Rachel as Kim explains how People in the 90s went from an idea to the show you can listen to today.
1: The idea for the podcast came from a senior editor, Jason, at People, who pitched it to David, who oversees video and audio for the brand. I had been working with them as a consultant to develop video content and oversee special projects like the Audio Upfronts and the New Fronts. When I saw this idea, I was very excited to help develop it. And I definitely put my hand up and said, I want to executive produce this. I was really excited to get to work on it because the idea was very solid. Each episode focuses on one issue from the 90s and it was a great way to dig in and really have fun in that era. The hosts are insightful, they're smart, they're funny, they have a good balance and it was just a really fun project to work on and I felt very lucky to be a part of it. And speaking of the creative process, it really twists and turns and there are a lot of great minds involved in it. So when I help lead development or brainstorm, I think of myself as a catalyst or a gardener who can help grow good ideas into great shows. The key word is help. So the EP David, the hosts, our producer Chris, there were so many great ideas and a lot of research too. So as it went from development into actual concrete production, you go from talking about ideas to actual producing the show it takes on a life of its own and it does look very different. I've done a lot of development for TV and digital video, but what I loved is seeing how different or similar it was really to creating TV. It had so much more in common with TV than I thought it
2: would. So that's one of the things that I really wanted to ask about because it was so interesting for me and Matt to have your expertise from TV world and like how you create the building blocks for a show format intertwining with ours about how we've traditionally done that for audio. And I was wondering what skills you think are transferable or what are those similarities that you notice from producing video to audio? So this is
1: super, super interesting. So I've worked, my career started in news. So I was doing Mm -hmm. short form news for I don't know, a decade, like news lifestyle red carpet for news magazine and like straight up cable news. So that was short form. But there is a format like you might be producing uh, like a little segment, but you're producing it for a 30 minute show or a 60 minute show. And so you're formatting the show. And obviously, depending on who's listening to this, it's a lot of like audio junkies. But if you watch even in a really sort of traditional news show, you'll notice the A block, the B block, the C block, the D block. You'll notice those really don't change. Like almost day to day, they have a format. Good Morning America has it. Today show has it. So they're formatting the entire 30 minute or 60 minutes to have a rhythm. And so mm-hmm. as much as I think podcast is very, very different because a lot of podcasts are conversational. Some podcasts really are structured. You can structure it like a TV show to have that rhythm of the rhythm where you have the open, where you're teasing something for the show, and then you have the intro, and then you have little segments, and then usually a lot of shows have a fun thing at the end. This is something you've seen forever in TV. It's called the kicker. It's like, and this cat stuck in the tree who got saved by an 85-year-old grandma.
2: (laughs) Exactly. And they were so fun because we oftentimes will try and convince our clients that there needs to be something high energy breaking up a long conversation, like playing a game or a teaser, or you know, having a couple voicemails from listeners. And sometimes it's it's hard to convince them. So help me make my case for the next time, you know, when someone's like, we want to make an hour and 10-minute interview podcast where it's just me and one guest droning on, like... I'm interested. What would be your argument for why that's a terrible idea? <laughs> <laughs> Rachel
1: right now is like typing notes
2: furiously. She's I like, know
1: I am. Kim is going to advocate my case. Um, I'll just drop them in into this Google Doc we're sharing right now.
2: Perfect. Thank you. So
1: I think listen, there's a place for long interviews. I think people when they're super invested, they will listen. I do think there's a point at which people do like to sort of shake it up. You know you're. You're going for a walk, but then maybe you want to pick up the pace, you know? And a lot of podcasts are so personal that you kind of do like to hear a different side of someone's personality. And like I said before, I worked in TV for about the first 10 or 10, 12 years of my career. And then I switched into digital video, which is almost all short form. And you'll notice that a lot of those are celebrity games. And they're sort of, yeah, they're just ways to bring people out of their shell to get to know them better. Like, mm, 10 things. Chris Hemsworth never told you.
2: Yeah, I love a rapid fire. I love a a listicle. I also actually really like when podcasts ask people the same questions. Like at the end, you know, there are certain certain shows will ask people like the same three questions every time. And like the variety that you get is so interesting. So I guess as a longtime listener, that's more interesting for for you. Yeah,
1: but I agree. And I think that you're You're keeping a thread of something that people can hold on to and know that they're coming back for. So I think a couple of things, it switches up the pace. It lets people get to know the interview subject better. Like if you have on someone who's sort of like a serious person and then you play, I don't want to say truth or dare, but you know, something a little lighter, like five things you didn't know about me and you have sort of really fun questions. It is interesting to know something like that or... We used to do What's in My Bag. At Us Weekly, we developed What's in My Bag as a video series. And you know what? Yeah. Really interesting to know what's in people's bags, whether they're like a sort of ingenue of TV or like a traditional A lister from movies. It's interesting. It, it changes it up. They want to sit down and talk about their project, but like viewers and listeners want to learn something new about this person. Yeah. Like why they still chew trident.
2: Hmm. I would be interested in what's in the bag for any human on earth. I just feel like that's so interesting. It's kind of like which apps live on the home screen of your phone. Like it tells you so much about a person. So I love that. Like whenever I'm at the nail salon, which is when I usually am reading those magazines, that's a never skip for me.
1: Yeah. And invariably
2: there's a receipt and you're like, oh, you eat raisin yeah. bran
1: muffin. Yuck.
2: <laughs> I love that. I think one of the other things that worked so well on this project is that, I mean, we had a lot of stakeholders. There were up to 15 people between the, you know, Meredith people side and additional team members and pod people. Like there were so many of us involved. And that can be a recipe for disaster, you know, too many cooks in the kitchen. But I feel like that really wasn't the case. And I'm, wondering again selfishly because I'd like to replicate this what do you think are some of the ingredients that are needed for a successful creative project that does have a lot of stakeholders
1: i would say generally across the board i mean i was the head of video at us weekly i launched their video unit i was a marketing executive at netflix i was a vice president of branded content at pop sugar mm-hmm. and now i run my own company so i do content strategy and video strategy to help brands and individuals like up their game, you know, grow their brand with video, audio, and content. I'd say the most important thing just across the board, not specific to any one place is figuring out who wants to be a part of the project, bringing them along for the ride. And some people want to be involved are time limited. Some people really don't want to be involved at all. They just want to be sort of told, and this is across the board at all the companies. And I think that, you know, just, sort of getting a real pulse check on how involved people want to be I think is a really good way to to keep everybody along for the ride.
2: Yeah, I agree. We also tend to invite all of the stakeholders in at the beginning so that we can make sure that we are incorporating everyone's vision and priorities throughout, but then obviously have less check-ins as you go forward. Like you can't have all 15 people involved in every review session, you know?
1: Yeah. And, and that's one of the things at Netflix, I worked on some huge marketing projects for big shows like Living With Yourself, Daybreak, Patriot Act the Asam Minaj, My Next Guest with David Letterman. And these are huge teams. And we have a lot of meetings at the beginning across functional meetings with, you know, publicity and marketing and content and creative and everyone is really in the room. And you align early on about what are our goals? What are our top level goals? And then everyone's sort of allowed to do their own thing as they go forward. You, of course, share what you're working on. You share creative decks. When you have cuts, you, have, you share cuts. You show them that. But mm-hmm. you know, I think people feel that when you're aligned holistically on the vision, the tone, the voice, the length, the hosts, then it becomes easier downstream. Like. I'd say where I have seen problems is like at the top of a project, either they don't have their idea really really locked in or it's still sort of wishy-washy. Then of course, you know, down the road, people are surprised by either the tone or who's hosting it or, but that's normal because people didn't know at the beginning really what it would be. So I think that really at the very, very beginning, aligning on top level things, tone, vision, hosts, length, cadence, all of that stuff.
2: Yeah, okay. That's also a really important piece because as you are like, One of the things I think you're so great at is a creative, original format for a show. And so if you come to a project and you feel that the idea does need more fleshing out or could benefit from like more detail in terms of the format and the tone, what are some of the exercises or the questions that you might ask yourself even to dig in deeper and find the hook or find the thing that's really going to make it extra creative and extra original?
1: Sure. And so this is kind of, um, I don't want to say funny, maybe mean, but I started in news (laughs) and you would have to pitch your boss these stories. And you might love this story and feel it's super important. And your executive producer would stone cold look at you and say, who cares? Next. If I'm a person in Ohio, why do I care? You're like, oh, Uh. It's brutal. I mean, it is brutal. It's a hard question. Yeah. It's a hard question. And and you're like, well, I'm pitching you because I care. I love it. So I would say start thinking about those things. Like, why is this different? Like, why is this interesting? Or how is it current? Or Mm -hmm. some of the shows, I think obviously podcast is specific. Digital video is also like this, but podcast is also very niche. So it can be like, for my audience of people who play New Zealand rugby in Brooklyn, Mm -hmm. they see this happening a lot. And so they're super jazzed about it. And they want to learn more about this. You might not know, but they care. So it could be super, super niche down. But if it's broad, then okay, what are you bringing new? Are there newsy sound bites you can get from this? Do you think people are going to pick this up? If you saw a quote from this on social media, is this something someone's going to share on Instagram? Sort of questions like that, because I hate to say this, but like content is fun to work on. So everybody just wants to make content. But you have to say like, why am I making this content?
2: Yeah. So it needs to be original, current, timely, and therefore information that people don't have yet, educational or niche, or ideally some combination of those four.
1: Yes, absolutely. I teach courses on video and audio content, how to develop the ideas and then launch them. A few of the questions I recommend asking to my students and to brands when I work with them as well when assessing how are we going to grow an idea? Is this a strong idea? Why is this interesting? Ask yourself why is this different? Why is this current or timely? So we talked about, is this going to pop on social media as a quote or a soundbite? And then why are we making this? It cannot be promotional. It absolutely cannot be promotional. It can't just serve you. It has to serve your audience. And under that, how it serves the audience, it could be entertaining, educational, emotional. If it fills any of those buckets, that's great. If it makes someone feel something or it makes someone learn something, awesome. Keep in mind who is the audience. Is this a unique idea? What is different about this? And the spin that you're putting on the idea, it could be the format, the host, the interview subjects. And then really, really important is also bring in others. Bring in other people to bounce these ideas around and build it bigger. Funny, that word, that phrase, plus up the idea. But bring in other people with different viewpoints and similar viewpoints to turn it from a seed into a really great idea. A lot of content, if you really look at it, it's not necessarily that they're creating a whole new world, but that they're doing something with a new spin on it. It's just an original way. A lot of podcasts are interview shows and that's okay, but it's either the host is a really good interviewer. Maybe they're a comedian or an actor and they ask really interesting questions or maybe their angle is more therapy-based. You know, like you see some of those talk shows that, like, it's funny, I don't know why, but lately I was listening to like Howard Stern, you know, who I never used to listen to. But I would argue it's just an interview show, but he's really good at getting people to open up. It's just something about his way. So sometimes it can be just a new spin on a format, but you have to have a really strong selling point about who the host is, who the interview is, what they're going to get out of people. When I work with a company and they say that I want to create a podcast, it's like, that's a great idea. What's a podcast going to be about? Is it for your clients? Is it to find new clients? It also can be to break out talent. I mean, that is a great part of it. You could say, I really want to have everyone meet this new talent that we have and like broaden their appeal. All of these things are are good reasons to create content. But, you know, you have to ask those questions. You have to ask those questions over and over again with different stakeholders, because what will disappear quickly is time and money. One of the major things, like I I work with a lot of different companies, like individuals, media companies, brands to help them figure out what they should be doing and why they should be doing it. And then sort of the tone, the format, like, should we make it fun and should we make it serious? Should we do it on Instagram? Should we do it on TikTok? Should it be a podcast? And I think at the end of the day, time and money are going to disappear really quickly. So you have to really think about like what you're doing, why you're doing it, who it's serving and make sure it is serving the audience. You should love it. If you love it and you think it's awesome, that's like the number one thing. Yeah. But then really make sure that it's it's serving the audience and giving them what they want to get from it.
2: I love that. Okay. Is there anything else that you want folks to check out of your recent work? Because Lord knows you got a lot going on, or at least your Instagram, because you also give people great tips about creating digital content on there.
1: Yes. Thank you. So I do a lot of content strategy sessions. So brands or clients can come to me and I do on-camera media training, content strategy, and then audio and video development and production so my goal is to help brands grow through amazing content. And mm-hmm. I've been working with It Gets Better, the LGBTQ organization yes. on an amazing campaign called Writing Our Own Dictionary. The series is celebratory and fun, and it has people talking about their labels and what those labels mean to them. Incredible is also that an educational guide gets paired with the series, and they teach it in the Los Angeles school system. So wow, what a project to get to lead I'm also working with the organization on developing an audio series as well. I'm also working with an amazing beverage company called Owls Brew, so I work with them on creative content and they're they have a delicious boozy tea line. They have new flavors coming out for the holiday season. And yeah, and I work with a lot of different individual clients to up their game on social and video and podcasts to to grow their brand and their message. And for what you said earlier of ways when you're developing content, always use reference materials. There's a million podcasts, Mm -hmm. a million short digital video formats out there. And those are really fun ways to get your juices flowing. Obviously, don't copy, but you're using new ideas. And what do you love? Why do you love it? You know, so that's a good way to sort of spice up a good brainstorm.
2: Yes. I love it. Okay. And we're going to link everything that we just talked about in the show notes, obviously. Kim, thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate it. I think this is going to be super helpful for our folks who are thinking more about developing or working with, you know, clients, especially for how to create great content and think about the show format. I think this is going to be invaluable for our people.
0: So make sure your content is original, current, timely, and for a defined audience. You should love the content you're making, of course, but you can't forget the important questions. What are you creating? Why are you creating it? And who is it serving? Thank you again, Kim. And if you haven't checked out her Instagram or people in the 90s, we'll link to both in the show notes. On next week's episode of Pop People's Podcast for people who make podcasts, I speak with community member Natalie Rivera about her journey from video to audio and her podcast
2: all about sex. I came across an article about a sex coach who has dwarfism and she was just talking about the difficulties that people with dwarfism have when it comes to sex. And I was just like, oh, wow, I had never thought of that. The Pop People team
0: is Rachel King, Ann Fuse, Matt Sav, Andrea Perez, Ashton Carter, Isabel Genius, Amy Machado, Alec Vicmanis, Jasmine Hammond, Danielle Roth, Sammy Reed, Stephanie Bachara, Madison Lesby, Brian Rivers, and Andy Bosnack. This podcast is edited by Katie Clarkson and mixed and engineered by Andy Bosnack. All links mentioned in this episode are always listed in the show notes. If you haven't found us on Instagram, Twitter, or LinkedIn yet, what are you waiting for? And for our community members, don't forget to join our newly revamped moderated discussion platform, the Pod People Circle. To access the Pod People Circle, hear about jobs, and attend Pod People events, join the Pod People community. Go to podpeople.com join to become a Pod People community member for free.
2: for everyone listening. That's my dog, Butters. It was just a matter of time before everyone got to meet
1: him. Rachel's dog is going to chase a skateboard down a street in Brooklyn right now.
2: (laughs) I know, that's basically what's happening.